This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Tigers on Tap a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are Trey Lasley and TJ Willis. Join the guys as they talk all things Memphis Tigers and their favorite beer. Turn your volume up, grab your favorite brew, and enjoy the conversation. Now, let's get to the show. What is up? Go Tigers 247 family. TJ and I back. This time we got a little special guest with us tonight. Our man, lead digital content creator, Kenny, uh, is joining us this evening. What's up, Kenny? What's up, man? I know that's my title. I know my title is lead digital content creator, but for the purposes of Tigers on Tap, it's the guy who edits out all of TJ's burps. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for those of you guys that uh, don't get to hear the live, unedited, raw footage, TJ uh, doesn't mute and just will sit here and burp the whole the whole time he's not talking. So, Kenny gets to listen to that. It's awesome. The first time I the first time I edited Joe's podcast, you I know, almost threw up three times, but I'm I'm used to it now. Hear me out. So, one thing you may notice is I sound instantaneously better than I have on previous episodes. And I found out I've actually been recording from my laptop speaker as opposed or my microphone as opposed to my actual microphone. So when I had those burps coming, I was muting the microphone and it wasn't actually muting anything because I wasn't even using the microphone in the first place. So I was trying to help you, Kenny. I promise I was. This all makes sense to me, man. I appreciate the effort and I'm glad you were able to figure out the microphone issue. <laughs> yeah, po- podcasting is tough. <laughs> Only took TJ four episodes to figure it out. Well, Trey kept saying, "Just get closer to the mic. Get closer to the mic." And I'm like, Trey, first of all, if, if you have kids, like count out to five. Turn off the volume. Count to five. Trey was like, "Get closer to the microphone." I'm like, "If I get any closer, I'm gonna be deep throating this thing. Like it's gonna be bad. Like I can't get any closer." <laughs> well, glad we got it figured out. You do sound better tonight. Uh, first things first, though. Obviously, got to uh, talk about tonight's beverage. So this week, we're going with a meddlesome brewery here out in Cordova, the Memphis-style lager, 4.5%. TJ, I got to say, another uh, shout-out, first of all, to John, our buddy John, for uh, he he got me this uh, last week, so we figured we'd give it a try. Another cool can, I would say. So that'll definitely play into the rating for sure. Uh, kind of a... What would you say that's like a 90s vibe? Yeah, it, Saved by the Bell. It's like beer meat Saved yeah. by the Bell. 80s, 90s vibe for sure. So uh, I'm excited to try it. I haven't had this. I don't know that I've had very much uh, meddlesome beer, but uh, another local brew. So we'll give, it a, we'll give it a shot. And while y'all are drinking, I just need to know, let y'all know, man, I didn't get a chance to get the beer tonight, but I'm drinking some... Tennessee Jack Daniels whiskey, man. I, that's all I got tonight. 
Well, uh, and we know Kenny's not a big beer guy, so we're we're cool with the uh, guest whiskey. We'll have to, we will have to get a rating from you though. Uh, I got you. All right, so tonight, part one of uh, our kickoff football season preview. Um, first things first, Kenny. I mean, you talked about it on the boards a little bit, but you have been cranking out these player interviews. Uh, it's honestly been one of my my favorite parts of the summer, probably. It and to me, it's it's cool because uh, I don't know. You get to put a player you know, a face, a personality with a name, right? You're out there every Saturday cheering these guys on. It's pretty, it's cool to get to know them a little bit more. And a lot of your interviews, you're not talking solely just about football. There's definitely some football talk, but it's cool to get to know those guys personally and kind of what they do off the field as well. But uh, how's that been for your, you know? I mean, it's been the highlight of my summer as well, right? Like getting to know the guys. Um, For me, you know, the, there's a there's a very specific reason why there's not a lot of football talk, and it's because I'm not a football guy like you two are. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of the games. I don't know um, schemes and and things like that. Like, I'm learning it, but but and I'll be completely transparent. Like, it's not something that I, um, <clears throat> especially at the games. Like, I'm usually looking through a camera the whole time. So I'll walk away from a game and go, "Who did well today?" I don't really know because I was looking through a camera the whole time. Um, so I'm trying to learn the games, but, but in the end, you know, getting to know the players was, was a huge deal for me this summer. Yeah, it's been, uh, like you said, awesome. And I can't imagine you saying that. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense, but looking at the games through a camera, like I've never really thought about that, but I can see how you could, you know, miss what's going on kind of in a sense. Well, cause I'm concentrating on where the ball is the whole time. Like it's hard to see what Calvin Austin did last year running off the line when I'm trying to concentrate on, okay, who has the ball right now? <laughs> like does Seth have it or did he, yeah. who, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it definitely is tough. Like half the time I'm trying to catch up, you know, to the play. So, you know, obviously we got a lot of Calvin last year, being 10 yards past the closest receiver closest db but uh, (laughs) um you know in terms of the ins and outs of the play i'll I'll learn more when i go back and watch the film after i'm done but while i'm on the field i don't really know what's going on yeah that that makes sense and we're gonna we're gonna leave the uh the cameraing to you (laughs) the photography and film to you uh, yeah so we don't get any more any more uh trouble there but do you have a – was there a, an interview or a player or a story that stuck out to you this summer that you uh, just really enjoyed or, or like talking to a lot more than, you know? Yeah, there were – Maybe some of the others. There were a couple, man. Um, I – the reason why – the reason why I kind of took it on – took it, you know, as a really strong responsibility to kind of introduce players to the, to the fans of, of the Tigers is – especially in football. And you guys know this man, like when you cover basketball, basketball is everybody, you know, there's, they're wearing shorts and a t-shirt basically out there. Their faces are uncovered. You know, you know, exactly. There's not as many players to try to, you know, get to know in basketball. So a lot of times, you know, you see, you see players that are, um, you know, more recognizable, more marketable, I guess, maybe in basketball, but in football, 
you know, one of the things that, and this isn't a diss towards the the basketball program at all, because I love covering basketball, but there is just a unique vibe and energy around the football team. So I've, I've had the chance to cover uh, the University of Memphis football team since 2019, and it is like what a year to uh, start covering by the way listen my first game my first game to cover was the Ole Miss Memphis game at Memphis and almost got torched by Patrick Taylor on the sideline in my first game to ever cover (laughs) that dude was the biggest person I've ever seen running that fast it was crazy how fast he was and he came running off that sideline getting he got pushed and dude I almost lost my life like it was crazy it was crazy (laughs) That was your that was your uh, welcome to welcome, Memphis football yeah. moment right there. <laughs> that, exactly. You there know, you I've go. been doing a lot of the welcome to Memphis moments. Mine was almost getting trucked by Patrick <laughs> yeah. Taylor. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I, I'm sure there's somebody else on the team that's got that same exact uh, welcome to Memphis moment. It was Patrick Taylor <laughs> trucking them? Exactly. You hear Jacob likes talk about um, having to block Bryce Huff, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man! I would never want to be a part of anything like that ever. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that there <clears throat> for me. Um, it's it's introducing the players, it's introducing the football players in a way that like there are a lot of Memphis Tiger football fans, but but are they fans of the individual players that are out there? Because here's the thing, here's the beautiful thing about Memphis football too, is that most of the guys that have, that are here that that have come and joined this program will be here for a long time, for some for half a decade. And, and like that's like you can really invest a lot of time getting to know these guys like guys like Wardalis, guys like Jalen Allen, guys like Quindell Johnson, you know, those guys that have been here, Rodney uh, um, Owens, like guys like that. You, you these guys are guys you can engage with and get to know over the years, see them go from being 17 year old young men to 22 year old men that maybe have families once they leave the University of Memphis. I mean, that's really really crazy to me and I think for me I'm a big proponent of understanding people's why like why do they do what they do and for me it was the opportunity to introduce on a much deeper level um, a lot of these guys why like why are they here why do they grind the way that they do for those 11, 12, 13 weeks of glory that they get on the football field on Saturdays or Fridays or whenever they play, they spend all year busting their ass to get, you know, for, for the glory of, of the game. And, and, and like, why do they do that? Like, what's their story? How did they get here? And so for me, that's a huge reason why I spent so much time interviewing these guys is because I wanted to get to, I wanted to understand their why. And man, there was a lot of really awesome, interviews that I got to hear and be a part of. I think one stands out in particular in this Darius Coffee interview that I did where he told the story of of the two years that he's been here having gone through multiple injury situations and even last year being introduced to a new position as a running back and you know going through a knee injury and having to train away from the team the entire year being being you know being off the team basically for an entire year. And, and he talked a lot about, you know, I asked him the question, like how, like what was your motivation to keep going? As you, as you see these guys having a good year, as you see these guys doing what they're doing, what, what was the motivation? And he said, it wasn't me that motivated me. It was the guys that did he, and he told that story. I'm sure y'all remember it where he said he was literally the first day that he was cleared to run after, you know, post 
knee surgery. The it was after practice, and these guys that were getting ready for a bowl game. I think it might have. It might have been the Hawaii Bowl. I think it was the Hawaii Bowl practice, and he was about to start running. And the guys, like a lot of the dudes, ran over to him where he was off the other side of the field and just like cheering him on, like going there. And he got emotional and I got emotional. And I'm sitting there going, man, like what a cool story that these dudes like picked him up and carried him through that. To me, that was one of the dopest stories that I heard about, you know, the vibe and the energy around the team and just Andarius's drive to get back to the field. Yeah, absolutely. It- like you said, there's been a lot of really awesome moments. And for me, it's just been cool to to get to know the guys. And I think it just gives me a little bit more of a, I don't know, it makes me want the team to succeed that much more because I feel like I know those guys that are out there. So, um, Well, another one for me, real quick, is it was a shocking one, honestly. And it, I even mentioned it on the boards um, was when I talked to uh, Asa Martin just a few weeks ago. And um, I had been looking at his Twitter and noticed that he had been posting about a, a friend of his name, um, Awesome Harris. And Awesome was a linebacker, a junior linebacker at South Alabama. And old, I, they found him passed away in his um, dorm room just a few weeks ago. And I knew he had I <clears throat> been seeing his Twitter and he had been talking about it. And during that interview, as I asked him about it, and just, just so everybody knows, like I had kind of pre- warned him that I was going to ask him I'd cut that out of the podcast but basically said hey I want to ask you about this are you cool with that like and he said he was fine with it and it you know I mentioned you know I saw that your friend passed away and he ended up telling me that it was his brother that passed away that awesome was his brother and that was like that floored me number one and then just made me go like damn this dude is so he's got so much riding on this year for him not just in terms of his own success but for his family you know mourning his brother like when you see Asa Martin on the field at Starkville on the first week know that he's fighting to to play hard and to do well for the Tigers and to do well for himself but he's also playing for his brother awesome like that to me is just that's a that's a that was a really really heavy heavy interview that I did that I was like man like that that's gonna make me cheer so hard for Asa when he's out there yeah absolutely and yeah I'm a I'm a huge fan of Asa's too and it's just it's cool too to see you be able to get the guys to like open up too about stuff like that that's not I feel like something that you see anywhere else like you know we kind of touched on it it's normally football talk so it's it's really neat to I don't know to get that vulnerability out of them and to hear you know their stories and things. So you have any more that are lined up or planned that we could uh, look forward to? No, not, uh, you know, with the week, with it being a week out, you know, when this podcast comes out, it's going to be probably Monday or Tuesday when this podcast comes out. And we got a couple more weeks until the season starts, man. So they're about to lock it down. Things are on lockdown. You know, it's all good, man. Like they need to get ready. Um, I got really amped up about I got an email that I sent to you guys with the practice availabilities this week and it seems football's here baby. I cannot wait, man. I cannot wait. Yeah, well, they they've shifted to the uh the morning session. I think that's like your first indicator Ooh. that it is we're about to be game week is uh Ooh. that's where we're at. The only other thing Kenny I'll ask you uh 
you've heard we've heard some different media members talk about you know Silverfield not promoting the program maybe like some past coaches have or the lack of availability from players has it been difficult to get these interviews it doesn't seem like it has yeah it's been really difficult man I you know I make a phone (laughs) call or I send an email and they're ready to go when I ask for them so no I mean listen man the um I think the Tiger football SID department especially Scott Burns over at the SID department man they these guys are Shout out Scott. These guys know what they do. They know what they're doing and they're good at it. And so, no, I've not had any issue getting anybody. If you've had issues um, <clears throat> getting football players or football, you know, coaches for interviews, maybe check your email, your send, like maybe, <laughs> maybe send it to the right person. I don't know. It, it's been great, man. They've been awesome to work with. Yeah. That's, that's what, uh, that's what I was kind of figuring. So it, it, to me, it didn't make any sense when we've heard, uh, some other people say that it's difficult to, to get any kind of stories or anything from the team. Cause I, I feel like it's, you just got to ask, right. And you shall receive. All right. Well, we will, uh, you guys have, this will be part one, like we said of the preview. So tonight we're going to, we, uh, post on the boards. I think TJ posted on Twitter, just a couple of questions um, that you guys have submitted that we'll run through. Um, a little bit of basketball talk to wrap it up towards the end of the episode. And then we will have a part two coming out where we'll dive into depth chart projections from TJ and I. And then we'll go kind of game by game through the schedule with a uh, prediction there from the two of us. So uh, without further ado, we'll kick it off into the questions. TJ, you ready? Yeah, man. Let's go for it. I will say we have not uh, prepped for this at all. This will be raw, unfiltered. Haven't uh, really gotten a chance to look through a lot of these. We've got a list of them, but uh, these answers are coming straight from the heart tonight. We haven't uh, nothing pre-planned here. So first one's first from our boy JT Pittner, 47. TJ, very crucial for this football season. Wiseacre or Crosstown? Oh, it is actually super tough for me because – Crosstown, tough? yeah, because Crosstown's really good, and I think, I think I tend to like more Wiseacre beers, but I also really like Crosstown, and I think it comes down to Crosstown has less beers on tap, but more canned beers uh, at the actual tap room, and Wiseacre just has a ton of beers at the tap room downtown. So, I think if I had to pick. I would go Wiseacre just because I like more of their beers more times than not. Uh, but Crosstown's probably my number two in the city. So tough one for me. I'll agree with you. I do think they are both very good. They both have uh, several beers that I really, really enjoy. I will. I do think I like a few more of Wiseacre's, uh, but I also have a little bit of a tie to the Bartosh boys. We grew up going to the same church. Our brother, my brother was their same age. So, uh, I think that pulls me a little bit and sways me to the Wiseacre side as well. It's just the connection we have there is uh, the family ties. So I'll have to go Wiseacre as well. All right, our next uh, jumping right into it, TJ. This one I think mm. came from uh, Twitter from our man Tiger Sense. Is Syrafield's job safe at 7-5? and five? If so, have we lowered the bar at Memphis and the Norvell era was strictly a result of the coach and not where anyone should expect the program to reach again? Uh, all right. 
First of all, I'll go first. Okay, you sound yeah. deflated. <laughs> I, I gotta put it together. I, I will say, I would be disappointed in seven and five. I think there are things that could impact that. Say, if we see a large number of injuries and things again, um, I don't know that seven. If you know, if Seth is out for several games and we end up losing games, I'm not gonna, you know, that's uh, he's he's the guy. He's your QB, QB one. Um, I'm not going to fault the staff for injury sort of stuff. Uh, you know, we saw a little bit of that last year, but if we remain relatively healthy throughout the year and it's just some of the same kind of stuff we've seen, if there's still turnover issues, if, uh, we're getting leads and losing them again, if we're losing to bottom half teams again, if we're losing to another temple that wins two games all year or three games, whatever they won last year, then I would say seven and five is absolutely a disappointment. Um, I I will say right now, if we end up seven and five, I will be disappointed. Uh, I don't think that the bar will be lowered. I don't, I'm not saying we should go to a cotton bowl every year, but I think you should be, I don't think it's too much to ask to be like top three of the conference, especially moving forward. If we're not top two, if we're not playing in the conference championship moving forward, then I would say it's a disappointment. And I think that's where the bar should be competing for a conference championship every year. If that happens to wind up in a, a G five access slot to a new year six, then awesome. But I would, I would say right now seven and five, if you told me that I would be pretty disappointed. Given our schedule, I think we have a relatively easy schedule. We, you know, besides opening up two road games back to back at state at Navy, you get Houston at home, you get UCF at home, play SMU late in the year. You should be rolling by then. I think, I think seven and five would be disappointment. So it's tough, right? Has Mike Norvell or Mike Norvell has Memphis ever fired a seven win coach? I serious question. I, I mean. Like what do I mean, we know? But that what are we talking about? Outside of Mike Norvell, we were trash for so long. That's my point. I mean, when, the, when did the bar become twelve wins? Nobody said it had to be twelve. When did the bar become ten wins? Like, what is the bar? What are we who said about? ten? Get to nine. Not, Can we be okay, nine? You think nine is is the bar with this schedule? Yeah, I think so. People is, will be happy with nine wins from here on out. I think so. So nine and three. Put it in perspective. Think about uh, Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. What they've won eleven games a couple of times is the bar twelve is he's only won twelve games once. Should they have fired him had he not won thirteen games last year because he couldn't break the eleven game hump? Like I, I don't, I, I don't know when we decided to set a bar outside of the four good Norvell years we had. Like yes, we had the ten win season, one or two ten win. I think one nine and one ten win season with Quinte. But all of a sudden, the bar seems to just be through the roof. And I don't really get that because it, it hasn't been consistent enough. And I know everyone will point to Ryan and uh, kind of where we're at with now. But I, I don't I think we need to kind of pull back and just think about how the teams around us and things like that. Like you can't always be the best team on the field. And, and yes, that is what we strive to be. But Cincinnati has been a hell of a team the past couple of years. UCF has been pretty good, beatable, but they've been pretty good. So I don't know if the bar needs to be set at some ridiculous level. I think eight or nine should be fair. So if we're talking seven and five, I think that's pretty much right at what their win total is set to be by Vegas. 
So seven and five just means you're projected to win what one less game than than expected, right? So I, I don't think they fire him at seven wins. I think he would really have to kind of uh, poop the bed uh, to get fired. I think it would have to be a four or five win season. Season losing to Temple, definitely losing to ECU, um, a loss at Navy. Like there's so many things that would have to come into play. Seth just his legs fell off completely. Like he just doesn't have legs God, anymore. Why would you even say that? It, I mean, it would have to be something outrageous that would that would happen. But even then, I don't think he get he's getting fired yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if if that would. If he would either, you, there are some publications, some different things out there say he's on the hot seat. Um, I'll say eight wins his first year in a, a shortened season, best winning percentage in the first year for a head coach. I just think last year was a bad luck year, to be honest. I mean, some people may not like to hear that, but then the amount of injuries we had, the amount of young guys we were playing, um, and the amount, of, I mean, the games we lost. And I know some people will say the games we won could have gone either way too, but um, I just I think we're going to see a different football team this year, and I think nine wins is definitely achievable. So we'll move on from that. I don't think seven. I I would be disappointed in seven and five, but I'm kind of with you. I don't think uh, I don't think Silverfield would be fired at that point. He would be. Uh, 21 and 15 all time, and that's like a 58 percent winning completion, uh, winning percentage. But sure, you know, at seven and five, let's fire him. Goofy. Yeah, I don't know. All right, we'll go to the next one. Uh, this one was submitted by Memphis B-ball fan. He says, "I know Coach Ryan Silverfield has said he hopes to alternate two running backs instead of the running back by committee option. Has he decided who those two will be to start this season? I don't know that the staff has decided. I think TJ and I have decided. I don't know if you're in total agreement, but I think that would be BT and Asa would be one and two in my guess. Yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly. I, mean, I, I think right. you're going to see sprinkles of some other guys. Ducker could get some sprinkles in there. Coffee, but he's also I think going to kind of be that utility lineup in different spots in the slot catching passes. I think your one and two running back tailback, whatever you want to call him is going to be BT and Asa. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Thomas is, is kind of a complete back. He can definitely be a workhorse. We saw at the start of last year until they get hurt. And Asa just offers that flexibility uh, being the guy who can catch the ball at the backfield. Cramsey really likes to throw the ball to running backs. So I would definitely say Cramsey would, uh, or not Cramsey, excuse me. We would see Brandon Thomas and Asa come out. I agree. Yeah. This one kind of falls in line from Honolulu Tiger. Uh, Aloha. Does the roster have a dynamic running back that can break a big run or turn swing or screen passes into six? Kind of like we had with Pollard, Gainwell, Henderson, Gibson, and Taylor. Uh, we've seen glimpses, but will anybody emerge? I mean, we've heard a name we've mentioned already, and we've heard quite a bit about in speed and shiftiness is coffee. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily on Pollard, Gainwell, Henderson level, but that's somebody I could see, you know, taking it into rounder or uh, a screen pass that, to the house. Um, another name that's popped up that I think is supposed to be pretty, pretty speedy, but obviously as a true freshman, I don't know how much run he's going to get. But as Sutton Smith, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, 
of Kenny in 2018. I think he broke off that long touchdown run against like Georgia State or somebody in the Liberty Bowl. It was like an 80 yard run. Yeah. That kind of gave you a glimpse of like, hey, this guy could be the next. And then sure enough, the 19th season rolls around. PT gets hurt and Kenny breaks out. So um, I think they'll find somebody, whether it be Sutton or Coffee or or another guy on the on the team. But I think there's there's probably somebody that uh, that's got big playability in them. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's one of the one of the two we've actually already touched on with Asa and Brandon. I think people forget that Brandon busted like a eighty yard run last year. I think it was like Arkansas State, maybe that he was against, but he had like two in that game. But I mean, they were also playing one safety. Everybody pressed up. And That's fine. That's not going to be the only team that is ever going to play you with one safety back there. But yeah. Brandon can bust it. Asa can bust one. I yeah. Ducker is not really like. If you go back and watch his highlights, he broke big plays, but they were mostly on the ground. He's kind of like a one-cut kind of guy. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the guy who's going to bust it out. He is not very fast. I, I would. Exp- I thought he was going to be faster considering his spot, his size. But Sutton, What's not very fast to TJ? I mean, he may run a 4-7. No offense, but he does not look fast if you watch him. <laughs> he kind of gets hawked down an awful lot, but – He's really good at seeing the field and making the right cut. I think that kind of plays uh, – that'll be interesting to see how that works out with Dawkins because that's kind of Dawkins' thing, being like a, a, a technician on telling guys when to cut and how to cut and things like that. It's all an angles game. Yeah. You take the right angles, you ain't got to be that fast. It's math. Simple math. Uh, all right, next one from 731Tiger. This may not be specific to the podcast, but are you guys going to drop a depth chart projection sometime prior to the opener? Yes, that'll be in part two. We'll do a depth chart and game-by-game prediction. Uh, Next one from Memphis Football Fan. (laughs) This one made me laugh, TJ, and I actually talked about this before you ever submitted this question, but here we go. When Mike Norvell shaved his goatee in 2019, we went on to win the conference championship. This offseason, Ryan Silverfield went from being clean-shaven to growing a beard. Will this facial facial hair reversal have a similar effect as 2019? What do y'all think of the beard? I think it looks nice, but will it help the team? Silverfield has also been divulging more info at pressers than he usually does. Is this a beard-related boost of confidence? TJ <laughs> has already publicly stated that bearded Silverfield is greater than goateed Mike Norvell. But I will pose this question to TJ is bearded Silverfield greater than Cornrow Norvell? Uh, nothing is better than Cornrow Norvell. Okay, that that's the right answer. That's the uh, Cornrow TJ. If you guys haven't seen TJ in the flesh, he's got real long hair. We need to get him cornrowed up. Shout out Cornrow TJ. Uh, uh, no, I do. I like the beard. I'm a beard guy. We both have beards. I think it looks good. A nice beard is a, a good look. Um, especially when it's not like a, it's not shaggy. It's clean. It's a clean beard. What's the saying? Look good, feel good, play good. I think it's definitely boosted some confidence. I think, I definitely think, uh, Ryan's more openness in some of these press conferences is definitely a direct relation to his confidence going into the season. I think he, he really likes the staff he's got. He really likes the team he's got, and he's got a lot of confidence, uh, in this team this year. Yeah, I think if you were to ask him about the beard, I, I am team hashtag bearded Silverfield for sure. I think it looks good. It just, it, I don't know. He looks like, a, uh, if I were to ask him, like, hey, coach, what's up with the beard? I, I've noticed that you've grown this beard. I think he would say something like, um, 
we're I'm too busy working uh, to have time to I was shave. Say, was, I don't have time. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be something super cheesy and coach. Which is probably, I mean, that's that's probably what it is. I mean, yeah, that's how my beard came to be. Is I just don't feel like shaving. I'll actually like, ask him. It's I'm, laziness. I'll, next time I'm at media day and he's there, I'm going to ask him like, what's up with the beard? Like, tell us about it. it it's trending. Are you going to be concerned? Are you going to be concerned if he shaves it before the season? Oh, kinda. I think so, actually. Or if he, or say, say we start out real hot. I don't know if I don't know if he's a superstition guy. Say we start out hot, three and zero, four and zero, and then we go into week five, and he's come in clean shaven. Hmm. I mean, that's that's gonna be a that's gonna I'd worry me. Worried about that? Yeah. He's got to either he's got to get rid of it before game week, like this week, coach. If you're, we know you're listening. You got to get rid of it either this week or you're keeping it the whole year. Yeah, so I mean, you got like seven days to make your mind up. By the time the, uh, oh gosh, what's the last game of the year? North Alabama, SMU, SMU. By the time SMU rolls around, like I'm expecting, just straight up uh, Forrest Gump style beard, a little uh, long yeah. and scraggly. Like you could you could braid that thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, I I think it is uh I think it's a good look. I like it. Stick with it. All right. Next up we got a couple from our boy Schlong fourteen oh Chalong fourteen. Charlie, big fan of the show. Appreciate you listening. Uh first one is the success of which position group will determine how well the season goes. Ooh. I'm gonna let you go with that one first. Yeah. Because I'm kinda i I'm kinda stuck between two. I'm going to say the offensive line, and that's mostly because I don't I don't think the running backs were bad last year, right? I, they kind of caught a lot of the heat when the running game didn't go well. I think it was more of the health of the offensive line. Um, they weren't really dominant, and uh, you know they started off hot, right? Maybe against some quote unquote lesser teams, and then they kind of hit a couple of tough run defending teams, and then they just kind of dropped off, right? Around the time the UCF game came around. It was kind of total mayhem, and they just kind of fell apart. The running game went away, uh, and then they kind of came back later on in the year. And I, I think it was mostly health to the offensive line. So I think if you can get the O-line running, maybe opening some holes for the running backs or at least giving um, Seth some time. Because, you know, the one thing that we always hear is that the run game sets up the passing game. But that actually kind of works the other way around. Whereas if the line is giving Seth enough time, he can actually open up the running game because defenses are going to start spreading back. The box is going to clear out. And what you're going to notice is now you have the numbers game inside. You know, your five linemen and a tight end are out going to number uh, three down linemen and two linebackers or whatever it may be, you know. So if, if the O-line can give Seth time to throw the ball, it's going to open up the running game. If they're crushing it and they're opening holes, uh, that'll open the running game and the passing game. So it, it to me, it all comes down to the health of the offensive line. All right. So I'll, I was offensive line was one that I was thinking about. The other, I'll say, I'll go with defensive line. Um, I think if they're able, we're switching in the four, three, you got four down. If we can get pressure on quarterbacks this season, if we can get stops on third down, um, I think that will be huge. I think the offense will find ways to score. I think, Seth is good enough. You can be creative if if you know we end up having some injuries on the offensive line or there's times when they're struggling. You can use rollouts, different things. He's good enough to be able to do that. And I think you've got playmakers on that side of the ball that will be able to put some points up. 
But if if our defensive line can get pressure on quarterbacks, if we can create turnovers, if we can get stops on third downs, I think our team will, will have a very successful season. I mean, just looking back, if you look back at like East Carolina last year, the only reason East Carolina won that game is because they were like 16 of 18 on third down or something like that. And freaking uh, Adler, what's his name? Aylers. Aylers was just freaking getting every third down. It was ridiculous. So you go OL, I'll go DL. Um, but that's kind of how football is, right? It's all down in the trenches. Look at us. Big trench guys over here. <laughs> all right, next one from Schlong. Uh, can you have a deep wide receiver group when most of the wide receivers are unproven or newcomers? Ooh, do you want this one? I'll say, yeah, I don't, first of all, I don't know that they're necessarily unproven. I think Eddie showed the second half of last year that he's very capable. Um, we've seen flashes and glimpses from other guys. I mean, rock Taylor, Javon's had times when he stepped up and made big plays, uh, I know we've got some newcomers, but guys like Joe Skates, he's been playing college football. He's an older guy uh, playing at Iowa State. So I definitely think, obviously, you may not right now, we may not have that standout Calvin or DeMonte guy, but I definitely think top to bottom, uh, this is the deepest wide receiver. You're, you're not, we don't have to rely on one guy, right? We've got enough guys out there that can make catches, can make plays in certain scenarios. You got guys like Kobe Drake, who's just it will catch anything thrown his way. Um, I definitely don't think being unproven or having newcomers means that the room can't be deep. Yeah, I, and I think what they what they mean when they say the wide receiver room is the deepest that it's been is that you have a number of guys you can kind of roll out and feel confident, right? You know, we we saw Eddie Lewis get hot at the end of last year, uh, Javon Ivory feels like he's been around for like six years now you know we haven't really seen much out of him and I, and I think that uh, if you were to ask him he would be able he would say that he could give you more so Seiko I know you're listening uh we expect a little bit more my, my guy um who else we're talking Joe Skates you talked about Joe Skates Rock Taylor is thick that dude is actually really big for a wide receiver by the way um that's another guy I would have zero problem rolling out there uh, Cam Wright is t- another tall, lean-bodied guy. Um, kind of, you know, I think he's like six four. That's what they put him at. I can't, I cannot believe you haven't mentioned him yet. I'm hold on, I'm getting there. Markel Jones is my I mean, guy. I don't know, I don't know how this wasn't the first name out of your mouth. <laughs> Markel Jones is my guy. I think he's super shifty and quick. Um, I'd like to see him get some more minutes. And who else are we forgetting? Kobe Drake doesn't drop the ball. I, I know. People were kind of like, why is this guy out there? Kobe Drake does not drop the ball, y'all. I've, I cannot hey, people explain don't, to you. I've never, I've never once questioned what Kobe is out there. The kid gives 110%. He won the state game. I'm just, I know that there are people that ask that question, and I think <laughs> they are dumb people. Yeah, and then uh, spring game, what's his name? Uh, Eric Rivers. Eric Rivers was wilding out at the spring game. This is a guy who Dude, don't who get me started on the – on the on the freaking hashtag gridiron penny to Eric Rivers connection because that is the future of Tiger football. Yeah, this guy flipped sides of the ball, and Eric Rivers was blowing by people. And you know, it's obviously different. It's the spring game, whatever. You know, come up with any excuse that you want. Eric Rivers looked good, and he was catching him over the shoulder. 
you know. And if you if you happen to see the interview with Glidden, it, it seems like he's hard as hell on these receivers. Uh, so I think they're going to be game ready the when, they, when they come around. What was that? I said he seemed real. He seemed pissed off in his interview the other day. Yeah, I, I think he's just super hard on these guys, and I think it's it, he knows that he has a good group and that you know you expect a, a certain type of production and a certain type of level from these guys, and uh, maybe they weren't getting it that day, or you know, you never really know what's going on. Uh, but that's definitely a talented group. You take two of those guys out. I have no problem throwing in Joe Skates. I have no problem throwing in Rock Taylor, uh, Markel, uh, Cam Wright. Like, there's just so many guys. You just have such an arsenal that you can just keep throwing these guys at teams, and it's really going to make things difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like we said, you're not dependent on one guy. And I think that's going to help the offense out too, right? Like, obviously, last year Seth being a true freshman you've kind of got a safety blanket and somebody like Calvin or Sean, you got two guys that, you know, you can just look to every time. Um, and, and a lot of times defenses are going to be focusing, even though Arkansas state didn't, but they're going to be focusing on guys like that. So it, it, I think it, it'll be really helpful for the offense to be able to kind of spread the ball around. And I think Seth kind of alluded to that too, in some of his availability and, and talking about spending the off season, the spring and summer throwing and building that connection with a variety of guys on the team um, you know, that maybe he, he didn't have last year. So I definitely think, uh, I think the wide receiver room is deep, even with, you know, some unproven or newcomers out there. Uh, all right. Next one from Schlong 14. If you could change one thing to improve the atmosphere at Simmons bank, Liberty stadium, what would it be? I mean, for me, this is pretty easy. You just, take the capacity down to like <laughs> 45,000. I don't know. I mean, 40, 40 to 45. And that thing would be packed and rocking. I do. If there was a way to bring the seats closer, you know, instead of the whole Pringle shape, if you could upper deck, you know, have a lower deck and then an upper deck that kind of hovered over that and everybody kind of felt more on top of the field. I think that would make it a pretty legit uh, atmosphere, but for me, it, the simple and easiest thing to do would be to crank down the capacity a couple thousand. Man, it's tough to improve the atmosphere. That's where I'm trying to kind of hone in on improve the atmosphere. And I really don't know because the first time I read this, I was like, "Oh, I, I'm fixing the bathrooms because va- the bathrooms are weird, man." What does that have to? I know, and then I realized it was more about the atmosphere. So now I'm kind of like. I'm trying to think of what they could change because my biggest complaint about anything in the stadium at first was the turf. And then now you've already said the uh, cutting then down just, the stadium size. I'm trying I mean, to be if different. that's your answer, that's your answer. Yeah, I'm trying to be different. I think what they're planning to do is going to be perfect, though. Yeah. You know what? I'll say uh, the renovation stuff. I want a, I want a better end zone uh, scoreboard on the opposite side, a video board on the opposite side. So I guess that's the north, the north. That's side. a good one. Not yeah, more uh, more visual stuff in the stadium besides just the massive one. Yeah, that is one I've noticed in in other in other stadiums. They've you know a lot of places will have a big main scoreboarder, but they've also got video boards in like each corner or another one on the other end. Like you're saying, I think that would improve it too. All right. Uh, last question here from Schlong 14. What is the best concession stand currently at Simmons bank Liberty stadium? If you say TJ, if you say anything <laughs> other than Pronto pup, we're fighting. I, 
first of all, I know the people at Prana Pup. I am a huge supporter and a big fan. Prana Pup is clearly the number one answer, but if I had to say something different, it's Uncle Lou's because I love that sweet, spicy love. See, I was Uncle Lou's is definitely, I was thinking it, but it's just like Pronto Pup is so Memphis football. Also, I don't think that they, I at least I haven't seen them, but I was a big fan of the turkey leg, the jumbo turkey legs for a while. I, don't I mean, there's that. nothing more, um, nothing, what? I don't know if they do that anymore. I know, that's what I'm saying. That would have probably been my answer. Because there's no, I mean, what's more American than eating like a four and a half pound turkey leg, drinking a cold beer and watching football live? I mean, I don't think there's anything better than that. I would come home and my wife would be like, you had a turkey leg because she, she could still smell it on me. It's great. <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think that they do the turkey legs anymore. So it's definitely Prana Puff. So Prana Puff's your answer? Yes. Okay. I'm glad we're in agreement. I don't even know what I'm honestly, besides that and Uncle Lou's, I don't know what else is in there. At one point, I know they had Lenny's, which look, Lenny's is a great establishment, but as a concession food, yeah. that's kind of disgusting. To it's me. like Lenny's, Coletta's, Uncle Lou's. Um, uh, I'm going blank. The Penny Commercial Company, King Cotton, was there for a little bit. King Cotton, yeah. Uh, that's really about it. Who does Hog Wild? Is that the barbecue? think so hog wild's good i yeah. support that i mean barbecue nachos are always good yeah all right we're about halfway through tj let's uh we'll take a break and then second half we will wrap up uh our questions and then talk a little bit about the basketball news that's happened eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. back uh to it through these last couple of questions tj uh next one is from major tiger 29 
Will the Tigers be playing for the last AAC championship as we know it with main contenders still in the league this year? Uh, TJ, do you want me to just say stay tuned for part two? We'll be doing our schedule prediction. Or do you want you want to answer anything? Okay. Uh, this one kind of falls in line with that a little bit from Memphis football fan. After Memphis defeats Houston and UCF at home, will they be able to defeat Cincinnati at Nippert in the conference championship game, conquering the trifecta of schools chosen by the Big 12 and delivering a strong statement about who should be next in the lineup for conference upgrade? Uh, I will say yes, that's definitely possible. We'll probably be playing Cincy at home, though, because we'll be undefeated in conference, and they'll probably take a loss. Um but I do think, TJ, we can talk a little bit about conference realignment since this has been brought up. A lot of people have talked about how big this year is. I don't know how you feel about this. I mean, obviously, you don't want to come out and look terrible, but if recent success played any part of this, we would already be in. Is basically how I feel about it. I mean, you look at it, we have been dominating Houston and Cincy Obviously, the last two times we played, we lost to Cincy two years ago. We haven't played them since. But before that, we'd beaten them five or six times in a row, twice in 2019 back-to-back weeks. Houston hasn't won here since 2014, I think. And then we'd won six or seven in a row against them until last year. Um, we average more attendance than all three Houston, UCF, Cincy in both football and basketball. I mean, we'd been to the Cotton Bowl. We'd won the conference. We have the most AAC wins since 2014. We are ranked, or we have one of the best top 20 winning percentages against ranked teams since 2012, I think it is. We're at like 38%. Um, I mean, if it had to do that much with recent success or immediate success, then I think we'd already be in. So... As awesome as that year would be, I don't think even if us beating all three of them, winning the conference title, and then going to the Peach Bowl and winning would automatically mean that we get an invitation. I do think it's a possibility that we beat all three of those teams, though, and we could win the conference championship. But as far as realignment goes, I don't know how impactful this one season of football is going to be in all of that. No, and it never comes down to one year, right? To to your point, if I'd have been to the Cotton Bowl – you ran through all the stats. If we were going to get in, it was going to be in this last one, this last round. I feel like. Uh, so now I, I'm curious what it takes. Is it they needed to see the commitment to football? Is it renovating the stadium? Is it uh, the continuation of commitment to academics or to athletics? Like, what is it exactly? No one will actually come out and say it. Um, I'll tell you what it is. It's all money. Yeah, it's definitely related. Money. We need more eyeballs. More alumni, more people supporting the program. That's all it is. Those markets are all bigger than us. They have much larger alumni bases. They have much larger student enrollment. That's all it's about. Like We just have to have people. If you're going to Simmons Bank, leave the house with your TV on the game. Like We, <laughs> we got to have eyeballs on the TV, and we got to be pumping dollar-dollar bills or they're not going to come hollering. That's all it is. Nothing else. They don't care about academics. They don't care about nothing else. They don't care about our freaking stadium that much. It's all about freaking money and TV sets. That's all they care about. 
I mean, look at freaking UCLA, USC, Big Ten. That doesn't even make any sense. It's just money related. There's a reason Veach, every time he's interviewed, he tells you to buy season tickets. All that plays into it. They need they need money. And I think it all comes down to money. They need to have the right metrics. I think they've been I feel like the university has kind of been told exactly what um oh, yeah, what they absolutely. need to check the right boxes. And, you know, they can't just come out and say it, right? It'd be super cool if they could, but I don't think they can come out and say, like, hey, we need to build this athletic village. You need to make renovations to uh, the stadium. You need to keep your attendance up. You need to keep winning. Uh, the R1 status is great. Uh, basketball is great. Uh, just keep winning. Keep doing well, and you'll be, you'll be fine, right? I, I think they've been told these things. I'm sure there's a couple of other things that kind of play into it, but, um, you know, it, it's. I'm not going to say we're not going to get in ever because these things are always constantly changing. Hell, Baylor's coach, uh, Dave Randall, was just talking about expanding and there being another round of expansion teams coming in and personally i'm kind of over the big 12 i think i would consider uh an acc bid over big 12 at this point i think we'd probably fit better with the big 12 but uh i kind of i should say i'm butthurt about it all because we didn't get in but uh that's kind of my two cents on it big 12 if you're listening we know that you are we will still yeah we'll take still take it yeah, yeah, yeah. even though that tj's TJ doesn't want it anymore. Anything would be better than what our uh, current future is mapped out to be right now. For sure. All right. Next question uh, from Middle Tennessee Tiger 1979. This is a tough one. I'm going to let you try to take this one. Actually, I might take this one first because I don't want you to steal my answer. Which true freshman do you think can make an impact this season? I'm going true freshman defensive lineman, Josh white. Mm, We've had a couple. A- is that what? Yeah. See, that's why I did that. couple transfers. Uh, so the, the depth we don't know is, is really solid there. So I think that's definitely somebody that could get into the rotation. He's a big guy. I want to say like six, four, two seventy five, two eighty. Could definitely see him coming in, getting some rotation at, at the defensive tackle and, and making an impact. It's very difficult, I think. Obviously, Seth did it last year. But most of the time when you see a freshman playing, it's probably going to be a redshirt freshman, at least in our situation, right? We're not like – we're not getting a five-star, you know, nasty true freshman that's coming in right away and having a big impact. So I'll go Josh White. I think I could see him getting some role at the – on the D line and, uh, and, and having a little bit of impact helping out there. So TJ, what are you going with? Ah, I mean, that's tough. That would, that was who I would have said. Josh White's definitely going to get some minutes. There is a name I'm thinking um, of that you could take where we've heard some. I'm trying to roll through the guys in my head, honestly. Um, the easy one for me, I, I guess is Sutton Smith. Probably. Yeah, that's, I think that's that I we'll thinking. see him, uh, yeah, I think we'll see Sutton Smith get some snaps. Coaches have raved about him. Um, you know, Cramsey talked about guys with great skill set. Sutton checks that box. He is uh he could be a special teams guy. There's just more chances for him to get on the field to make good plays. Um yeah. Eric Gaston, I think would be another one if I could pick another guy on the defensive line. Big bodied guy there. Yeah. Yeah, I 
See, Sutton was the other guy I was thinking about. Like you said, we've heard the staff mention him several times. I just I'm curious of how much run he'll actually get. We've talked about how how many guys there are in that running back room. So it's unless he's just an absolute stud, I'd be shocked if he got more than his four games and they burned his red shirt. You know? Yeah. But I, I think for sure in, in those four games you could see some uh flashes of, of greatness. And if you want to say that's making an impact, sure. I think that could be making an impact for sure. So you know, funny thing on Sutton Smith, real quick, when uh when people mention Jay Ducker, they kind of think of him as a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Literally the same size as Sutton Smith. Really? Yeah. What so do you think? What's, 510, hey, what's, 180, you said Jay was slow. What's Sutton's uh forty time? Ooh. In pads? I don't pad I don't care. What they don't know. They don't do it in yeah. pads. Nobody runs well, a forty I mean, in pads. Feel they're running. Without pads, I think Sutton can hit a four four. So you're considering He's that fast? fast? Uh four four is pretty fast, yes. There's not a whole lot of room for you there. You got a four four is fast and then four seven is slow. Yeah, for running backs for sure. Hmm. Okay. We're talking track speed, baby. I mean, I get it. I just don't to Those me. Those tenths of a seconds are a big deal. Yeah, I guess. Uh, what do you think do you that think Patrick Taylor was fast? For his size, yeah. What do you mean for his size? Well, just was he fast? I feel like he was fast, yeah. He's fast enough. Yeah, four. he ran a 4.5. I'd consider that fast. Okay. I'm just saying, I don't know that like two-tenths of a second is slow. I don't know. It's just... Oh, it's track speed, baby. That's what we're talking about. All right. You're the track star. I'll, I'll take it. What do you think my 40 time is? Four seven probably. Okay, no. Yeah, I mean, you just said that's slow. I'm not slow. <laughs> Are you saying it's only slow okay. for a running back? That would be fast for me. Yes. Okay. I'll take it. Fast for a guy who plays micro soccer league. For my size too, I'd say that's pretty fast. Yeah, for your size. Interesting. Okay. What do you think, Seth runs? You think I'm faster than Seth? I think you and Seth are probably like the same size, and I think he's probably a four-seven guy. So basically, you think I could play quarterback for Memphis this year? I think that you could be the guy who wears the number five jersey that is <laughs> pretending to be Seth in the promos. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just don't think four-seven slow, but that's me. All right, next question. This one comes from Noop3KB. Who is the one player that must have a great season for the team to be successful? This is a two-parter. We'll, let, we'll go with that that part first. Ooh, say it again. I want to make sure I caught it all. Who's the one player that must have a great season for the team to be successful? It's your boy, Seth. QB's most important position in football. I'm going Seth. Henna Goat, Hennessy, Hennigan. Great season equals team greatness. Henny Goat's the easy answer, I think. I'm going to go. It's easy because it's right. It, I know. It, and that's it's probably true, honestly. Um, I am going to go. 
Yeah, you got to go Seth. I can't even make anything else up. I was going to try to make an argument for Quindell, but he's been great. I was trying to think and, of a defensive. Uh, defense has been Swiss yeah. cheese for a bit. I was trying to think of if you could throw a defensive guy out there, but I mean, if you if you went defense, I would say it's Quindell. All right, who's an under the radar guy who will have the best season? Hmm. Under the radar, mm-hmm. somebody we I'm haven't saying... heard a lot about, hmm. or maybe maybe just listeners and uh, message board hadn't heard about, but maybe we've heard or know about. For me, it's Tyler Murray. I don't think he's under the radar. I think that we've been trying to sing his praises as much as possible, but I think that's the guy that I think people are going to know his name for sure. That's not an acceptable answer at all, but whatever, I'll give it to you. You just named like one of the biggest transfers we had come in. There's no way that's under the radar by any means. He's from Charlotte. I don't know that people know his I name. I don't care where he's from. You want a different name. the stud linebacker. No, that's fine. You can have that. That's a whatever. I just don't think that that's an under under the radar uh, under the radar guy. See, I'm going like who's going to have the best season under the radar? Like Markel Jones hadn't got a whole lot of run. We've seen flashes. That's your guy. This is a name you should have said. But you went with our stud middle linebacker. Where's he going to play outside? I don't know, but a stud linebacker. I'm going Mark Hill. Deep, deep wide receiver. He's going to get a lot of run. People are going to be surprised. Household name by the end of the year. See, now you're mad that you didn't say your guy. No, I I thought my answer was efficient, personally. It's right, perfectly sufficient. All right, now to the fun part, and uh, shout out to Tiger King Four, huge friend of the program, our buddy J Mac, sent in a list. We're going to call them the superl- superlatives of Tiger football. A uh, lot of fill in the blank here. I think this will be fun. Jonathan says he's going to keep track of this, and whoever gets the most right by the end of the year, he's given one of us a six pack. So we will start out with the first one. The player with the most rushing yards at the end of the season will be. It's Brandon Thomas for me. Okay. I'm going to go. I'll go with Asa. We'll split it. Okay. I really almost said Seth. Although I know that it's not going to happen, but I was just like, maybe somebody gets hurt. That Seth would, has a breakout year and he starts running. That would be a. But I'll uh, stick with Asa. That would be a take. Yeah. I think he has shown us the ability to to run the ball for sure, but lead the team. No. He's four seven. It's not fast enough. The player with the most receiving yards at the end of the season will be. You want to go first this time? I'm going first. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Our boy, Eddie Edwin Lewis. Yeah, I was going to say Eddie Lewis as well. Oh, my gosh. All right, you're copying me. Uh, The player with the most tackles at the end of the season will be. This is easy for me. It's Tyler Murray. Wow. Okay. You're under the radar pick. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Quindell. My boy led the team in tackles. 
will lead the team in tackles. Sorry. What? He definitely did Sorry, not TJ's lead the looking. team in tackles last year. I meant will lead the I team in tackles. I figured you did. JJ led the team in tackles. I know. Right? Yeah. So I gave you that look. Uh, the Tigers will win blank number of regular season games. I think we're going to skip this one so we don't mess up our uh, schedule prediction episode. Unless you want to, what do you, you want to just say a number? No, you got to come back for that. Or we could, we could, you want to do the Vegas? Will they win over or under seven and a half? Yeah, I'm good with that. I'll take the over. All right, I'm good. I'm going over as well. Okay. Uh, the longest made field goal by the Tigers will be how many yards this year? 51 yards. Gosh, see, that's what I was, I wanted 51. Uh, I'll go 53. Who do you have kicking that field goal? <laughs> well, considering the fact that Bankins made it sound like Chris Howard has a baby leg, I'm going to say my boy David Kemp. Last one. David Kemp, do 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 do. David Kemp, do do David Kemp, do 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 David. I need the whole stadium rocking David Kemp. Yeah, oh yeah. Ted Lasso. When does that come out? Ted Lasso needs to come out season three. All right. Um, the Tigers will score the most points in the game against blank. North Alabama. I mean, that's got to be the easy answer. But I'm not going to pick the same as you. And I think Ryan may call the dogs off. So do I go with like a classic UCF shootout where we put up 55? Damn, that's what I was going to say. Uh, or do we just like obliterate Navy in week two? You know, it's hard to run up points on Navy, though, because they uh, crush the clock so Hold much. Hold the ball so long. I'm going to say we scored the most points against Temple in a revenge game inside Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Deal. The first defensive touchdown for the Tigers will be scored by who? This is tough. Um, I will go Rodney Owens because he had that game-saving interception versus SMU last year. I think he can pick one off and just take it to the house. Um, I'm feeling really good about this. Not only is it going to be his first interception of his career, but he's going to take the first one back to the house. Your boy, Greg Rubin. Okay. Week one against state. You heard it. Okay. Your first is all right. All right, another defensive. Will the Tigers' defense record a safety this year? Hmm. I'm going to say no, just because off the top of the dome, I can't really recall a safety other than Ole Miss, so it's been a while. Uh, I think we almost had one last year versus UTSA, but it ended up being a touchdown. We covered it in the end zone. I'll say you said no. Yeah, I say no. Yeah, I don't think we've had. I can't think of one since that Ole Miss game either. 
I'm just going to, I'll say yes, just so that I'm cheering for it the whole year. Say we get in the, we get a team backed up in inside their own five and you're going to be like rooting for them to get out of that situation. Right. <laughs> like that puts you in such a weird spot. So I'm going to say, yeah. All right. Final one. The Tigers will participate in the blank bowl game this postseason. You want to save this for the season prediction thread? I mean, episode. Yeah, let's we'll save that one. I will say yes, they will be participating in a bowl game. Definitely participating yes in a bowl no. game. Okay. Stay tuned for part two of our season preview to figure out which bowl game we think that they will be participating in. All right, TJ, any other questions that you can think of that anybody asked you that are anything that I missed? No, you have compiled them greatly. All right. Uh, we do have a little bit of basketball news. The Tigers hired Andy Borman as an assistant, and Larry Brown will be back. All right. On yeah, to about it. Right there. Uh, the most important part of tonight's episode. Our Memphis-style lager. TJ, I'll let you rate it first. We're going to do it. Uh, I'm going to change be, it I up. will say I I crushed this. I mean, I was done halfway through. Oh, yeah. I needed another one. Um, I'll do two things. First of all, we're, we're, I'm going to change it up here. The beer rating, uh, this was delicious. This may be the highest one yet. I'm going to go like 8.6. Is that really high? Whoa. It was very good for me. <laughs> yes. And then that is high, but I don't disagree with from a, all we're going to rate the can just to get weird, change it up. This is like a 9 out of 10 can for me. This can is really cool. Gosh, a whole number rating, what a rookie rating. It is a cool can. But you got to throw a decimal in there. Huh. Um I will say yes, this was very good. I crushed it. This is definitely a beer that I would take to Tiger Lane and knock out several before running into the UCF game. Um, I'll say like an eight two. I mean, it was a good beer. Can I'll give the can a? Uh, I mean, this it is a good can. I like the can a lot. I'll go eight eight on the can. It's fair, respectable. All right. Well, it is. Uh, it's been fun. That'll wrap it up. Uh, like I said, we will have a part two. Hopefully later this week, before next week, with depth chart projections from TJ and I. And then we'll be going game-by-game projection uh, for the season. Uh, That'll wrap it up. Come with a cold beer. Stay for the hot takes. Peace. Thank you for listening to Tigers on Tap. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're interested in content all about the University of Memphis Tiger Athletic Program, hop over to www.gotigers247.com. New articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for VIP. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 